0: This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come to you today in the cold, in the busyness, in the let's not go too fast, In the confusion, in the frustration, in the loneliness, in the hopes, and in the dreams and all the other things, we ask that you would instill in us everlasting. Hope. Pray this in your name, Jesus, because you are our hope. You are the hope of the world. Amen. Watching Christmas movies is a part of our holiday traditions. I think probably all of us here have a movie or two that we like to see at this time of year to kind of be a part of the holidays, right? And uh, so as Pastor Ben mentioned, today we're beginning a, a new series, Christmas at the Movies, where we're gonna look at some of our favorite movies through the lens of the greatest story ever told of God coming into our world, taking on human flesh and blood to redeem us, to rescue us, to love us, to be our Savior and the Savior of the world. For me, Home Alone is not only one of my favorite Christmas movies, it's one of my favorite movies, period. Uh, I love the concept of a big home and a big family, beautifully decorated, nicely dressed, all of that. Touches my heart. You know, and even though I can't sing worth anything, right, I love that part in the movie. It's about two-thirds of the way through where there's the children's choir and they're rehearsing for Christmas Eve and that big big cathedral. For me, that just brings back so many memories of growing up. And then Kevin's home protection plan thing that he's got going on. Hmm? I probably like that way too much. All right? That's fun. But you know, through all the things that happen in Home Alone, there's this theme running through, right? This theme of Hope. Even for the lonely. Right? And that's what Christmas brings, right? Jesus. Hope. Hope for the broken. Hope for the separated. The scattered. The anxious, the weary, the depressed. Hope for all of us, even the lonely. And so as the movie Home Alone begins, right? The McAllister's family and their extended family are in this big, beautiful home. And Harry, one of the wet bandits is already infiltrated the house, right? And he is disguised as a police officer and he's, he's watching all these things going around. There's the pizza delivery guy who comes in with the stack full of pizzas. And there it's, we learn that that Kevin likes only cheese pizza, right? But his older brother, that big bully, Buzz, eats all of the cheese pizza and Kevin explodes, right? And he runs into Buzz and that causes a, a, a Ch- chain, can I say it? Chain, <laughs> chain reaction all the way across the dining room table, right? Because you see, here's the thing even though Kevin is a, very, a part of a very large and extended family, he feels misunderstood, he feels all alone. In fact, there's that point early on where he jumps up and down. And when he says, when I grow older, I'm living all alone. I'm living all alone. I'm living all alone. And not long after that, his mom escorts him up to that scary third floor right? And as Kevin walks up about a third of the way up those stairs, he turns around and looks at his mom in the eye and tells her defiantly, I hope I never see any of you jerks again. Merry Christmas, right? And Kevin and The rest of the family then go to sleep, anticipating waking up and being ready to go to the airport the next morning at 8 o'clock so they can catch their flight to Paris, where they're going to spend Christmas. But there was a windstorm during the night, and that ended up knocking out the electricity, and the family oversleeps. They're waking at the door by the airport taxi service that's come with two large vans with one of the drivers banging on the door. And then mayhem ensues, right? They are, they are running all over the place trying to get ready, trying to get their bags and everything. And while all that's going on, right, Kevin is still asleep up on the third floor. And then there's that obnoxious little neighborhood boy that has like a bajillion and one questions. And he's asking the the taxi cab drivers, right? You know, all these questions. And and as the family piles into the different vans, it's that little boy's winter hat that ends up getting counted as if he's Kevin McAllister. And right before the vans pull away to go to the airport, that little boy, because he doesn't belong on the van, jumps off and the family's off to the airport without Kevin. All of that really reminds me of a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. See the similarities? The the younger son is living in a very well-to-do family, but but he thinks that he could do better all alone if he was alone. So what he does is he goes to his father uh, with a very, very bold and cold request. Uh, He wants his share of the inheritance. Uh, Understand that What that young boy was saying to his father was the same thing that Kevin said to his mother. What he was saying to his father was, I hope I never see any of you jerks again. As we go back to the movie, right? the family's on the airplane flying off to Paris, and then Kevin wakes up. As he wakes up, he he calls out for his family, but, but there's no answer. Kevin looks all over the house, upstairs, downstairs, even goes outside, sees that the cars are still in the garage, but his family's not there. Remember his reaction? He jumps up and down again. Joy, unspeakable joy. He got his Christmas wish. His family's gone. He's happy. For now. Same with the young man in the parable. The father gives him his share to the inheritance, so he's got cold cash in his hand, and he walks out. And he begins to buy this thing, that thing, and everything. He's living his best life. He is living his dreams. He's experiencing so many things. He gets to try out this thing and and everything. It's just wonderful. He is so happy for now. Then reality starts to set in for Kevin. The reality of aloneness. As he goes down into the basement to do a, a load of laundry, that scary furnace kicks in right? And he's concerned. He's, he's all alone. There's no one to protect him. And that aloneness continues to follow. And remember, he goes off to the drugstore and he gets that toothbrush and he's, he's wondering if it's ADA approved, right? And then that scary neighbor, the guy with the big black coat and the metal snow shovel, shows up and puts his hand down on the counter by him. And Kevin ends up backing away and running out of the drugstore with that toothbrush in hand because he's all alone. There's no one to protect him. And he runs away. And on his way home, the, the wet bandits almost run him over with their van. And Kevin's like, I've seen them before, right? And he starts to see them casing out his house and he understands that they wanna rob his house and Kevin's all alone. So we go back to the parable as well. The young man in in Luke 15, he's he's having a blast. It's it's amazing, it's cool. And and then his money runs out. And didn't have any friends because he had been buying his friends. Uh, he didn't have any relationships because he was, he was buying those things and money was gone. He didn't have any food to eat, didn't have anything to drink because the money was gone. The very things that he thought were fulfilling his life were actually making him empty. And now he understands he's all alone. All the things he thought were going to bring him happiness. He's all alone. What Kevin didn't understand that was that his family off in Paris, they were doing everything they could to get back home so that Kevin wouldn't be alone. Especially his mom, right? His mom is like ready to sell her soul so she can get back and be with Kevin. Remember, she's talking with this lady there and she's going to give her her watch, her earrings, her phone, all that just so she can get back so that Kevin's not alone. She ends up getting on the flight and flying back to the United States and she ends up in in Scranton, right? And there are no no planes to Chicago from Skandinavia. They're all full. None of the other airlines have any seats. And but then then you know right the the polka band guys show up, yeah. And shockingly right, she had never heard of them, and uh, they'd sold so many albums in Sheboygan, right. And uh, they say, hey, we're we're renting a van. It ends up being a moving van, uh, and we're going here to Milwaukee, right? They said, we'll drop you off in Chicago. And so there she is driving with these guys. They're playing Christmas songs on their instruments and she's the back of the moving van and they drop her off at the house on Christmas Day morning. And then she meets up with Kevin. And after a little bit of hesitation, because we all know what's gonna happen, right? Mom and Kevin run and hug each other. And then not long after that, the whole family comes in. And there's this huge, huge celebration. In the parable, it goes like this. When he, the young man, came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. What the younger son didn't know is that while he was out making a disreputable name, for himself, while he was out being crushed in regret, while he was out, the the father that he had rejected had never even thought of rejecting him. Father longed for his son to come home. He didn't want his son to be alone. And when the son arrives, the father runs to him, hugs him, and they have this biggest of all the big celebrations ever. Do you ever feel like you're alone? I think we've all had those times in our lives where we've had that oppressive loneliness. And a lot of times what what happens at the holidays, right, is is those feelings get multiplied exponentially. You know what the, the start of loneliness is, right? The start of loneliness is when you or I place as the main thing in our life, anyone or anything other than God. When we place our our deepest hopes and our desires on anyone or anything other than God, we are setting the stage. We're opening the doors wide for loneliness and however it might reveal itself to us some of you know this right loneliness is when you feel misunderstood loneliness happens when when the traditions change but but you didn't want them to change you feel like you're on the outside Loneliness is when you have something on your your heart, but you just can't trust anyone to share it with them. Loneliness is, is what we experience when there's a loss. Maybe the loss of ability, the loss of a job or the loss of a loved one. Loneliness happens when our, when our dreams are shattered, when we've had misguided hopes. Loneliness happens when we, we get what we hope for, only to find out it wasn't all that. Loneliness is what we feel when it's, we think that our situation will never change. We're stuck. Maybe like Kevin, you have a loneliness issue because you've ruined a relationship or two or more. Or maybe like the young son in the parable, there's loneliness there Because of regrets. Kind of got a a long list of regrets that you're holding in your heart. You don't feel like you can share them because they're regrettable. And you're all alone. You know that Jesus knows all about loneliness, right? And we go back to the very beginning. Beautiful world, lush garden. Jesus walking around with Adam and Eve. There's this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve are at that tree. So is Jesus. And Adam and Eve take and eat the fruit. And not only did that cause them and us (laughs) grief upon grief and, and loneliness and all these things, but understand it left Jesus all alone there too at the tree. What they were saying to Jesus is, I hope I never see you again. There's Jesus all alone. When he came and he lived on earth, Jesus knew all about loneliness. His family and friends, they rejected him. They didn't support him. He was misunderstood. Some wanted to make him an earthly king. Sounds good, but that's not why he came. Others thought, He was from Satan. He was homeless. There was a lot of loneliness in Jesus' life. And that takes us to another tree, doesn't it? A tree just outside of Jerusalem. His family, his friends, Stayed a distance to, to disassociate from him, whether it was out of fear or worry or whatever, whatever it was. There he was on the tree, not hanging as some beautiful ornament, but crucified. All alone. Scripture tells us even that his father, our heavenly father, his heavenly father abandoned him. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there he is on that tree. All alone. He's all alone on that tree because we rejected him. And you know, that's what our sin is, right? It's rejecting God. It's saying, I want to live alone. I want to do it my way. Get away from me, you jerk. So Jesus dies all alone. And he dies all alone so that you and I would never, ever have to live or die alone. Never alone. John chapter 1 of the Christmas story, right? The word Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among the people. Jesus came and moved into our neighborhood, moved into our home, into our hearts. In Matthew chapter one, it says of Jesus, his name is to be Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. And Jesus promised in Hebrews, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Uh, share a little story with you about this verse and about this, this whole concept, too. True story. okay? Cassie is her name. Her father, at the time, is a pastor of, of her congregation. It's nearing Christmas time, and her father is actually under investigation by the church uh, because of suspected addiction. Okay the the church leadership has, has come to her father and her mother and because of the ongoing investigation they've asked them to stay away from the christmas services you know just let things settle out okay. but they didn't say anything about that to Cassie right and it's it's christmas eve And Cassie has a ton of emotions. And one of those things is she is compelled to go to worship. It's, it's Christmas Eve. She's worshiped every other year on Christmas Eve. And so she makes her way out of the house and goes to church with a sinking feeling that her father is... Addicted. She makes her way to church. Place is full. There's families. There's singles. there, There are people all over. Smiling. Hot chocolate. Candy canes. All those things. She makes it into church and she goes to her normal spot up in the front. And everything's great. And then the service begins And the carols start to sing. And then for Cassie, that's the very second that the tears started to stream. And they roll down her cheeks and onto her dress. She says she feels like such an imposter She feels like a a dark cloud that's bringing rain to everybody's celebration. She's just sobbing. In her heart, she apologized to Jesus. I'm so sorry, I'm ruining your party, she said to him. And it was at that time that Jesus spoke the good news to her through her conscience. He said to her, Cassie, I didn't come as a baby in the manger for the celebration. I came in the manger for those who are mourning. Cassie, I came for you right here, right now. Cassie, I am with you and I am for you. And it was at that point that Cassie got the meaning of Christmas in a deeper level than ever before. See, Jesus didn't say, hey, come to me, all you who are crushing it and leading your best life, and I will give you rest. He said to me, said to you and me, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. So if you're discouraged or tired, Weary, full of regrets at your wits end, confusion, you name it, all alone, don't worry. That's exactly how Jesus expected you to come. So if this year has you broken down, Separated, broken, fearful, hurt, anxious, depressed, alone. Know that you don't have to muster up any cheer. Know that you don't have to feel like you're ruining Jesus' celebration know that you can go to the foot of the manger and worship Jesus because he came for you right here, right now. You see, that's how Emmanuel works. Isaiah 9 says this, those who walk in darkness have seen a great light, on those living in spaces of deepest darkness, a light has dawned. You're not alone. That may be the most important truth you ever grab onto. You're not alone. Even when it appears you are, even when you feel you are, even when you are physically alone, you are not alone. God is with you and God is for you. You're not alone. Jesus said, I am with you always. Let's pray. Lord, we've got a lot of things going on. Maybe for some of us, a lot of nothing too. No matter where we're at, no matter what's going on, You're right there with us. We're not alone. Right there with us. You're the one we need. You're our refuge and strength. You're the greatest gift, the greatest blessing of all. And you're here. Right now. For us, and you always will be. Thank you, Emmanuel, for always being with us, amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives. More information about us and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelam.com.